Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am Mark Haler and today I've got four very special guests. We're doing a bit of a fundraiser in Captain Pat Dwyer's name and these are four of his best friends. Four of the people that knew him best and we're trying to raise money for ALS in his name. So let me introduce the guys to you. On, on the far side is Ian Pittsman. Wanna say hello? Yep, hi, hi everybody. Uh, John Garner. Hello everybody. Russ Ostrom. Good afternoon, everyone. And Harley Vroom Vroom Davidson. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> so, so welcome, guys. Uh, appreciate uh, you guys tuning in. I know that we'll have people gathering and, and uh, joining as we go, but uh, I really want to get started with, first of all, to donate while we're live, just Google Pat Dwyer ALS. Go right there, hit donate. These donations are being tracked live, so we'll be able to know this like fairly immediately. So um, let's just get started. Uh, these, this format is not going to change. We're going to start with who knew him as a child or has memories of him growing up or stories even of him growing up. Well, actually, I grew up in the same neighborhood if, as, as Pat. Didn't know it. I was, uh, I was on a plane in 1995 coming down from a king crab season. And I get seated next to this guy and we start talking because Pat wasn't short of words ever. And uh, it ended up that... Uh, you know, where'd you grow up? Seattle. Oh, what part? Oh, you know, Wedgwood area. And and uh, ended up, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, I walked by his house probably every day on the way home from school. He went to the Catholic schools. I went to the public schools. So we never met until until 1995. And uh, and then there were all these strange coincidences. You know, the the, the paper routes as kids. Um, you know, he he was at the top of. Uh, he was at the top of the hill. My paper shack was at the bottom of the hill. Um, his birthday is April 14th. Mine's April 10th. His wife's is, you know, so he's four days after me. His wife's birthday is four days before mine. And so he invited me down to uh, to look at the Lafayette, which they were converting into a, into a crab boat. John's company was. And we kind of smirk about that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we, we do. We do. <laughs> and. Uh, so I go down when I get to Seattle, and I'm, I'm going down, kind of taking a tour, and, and that's all it was, was an invite, come down and see what I'm doing here. And uh, unbeknownst to me, the shipyard worker was friends with the owner of the boat that I was running. And he immediately went in and said, hey, by the way, uh, do you need somebody to run your boat? Because Russ is going to be taking the Lafayette, which turned into the Beverly Beef. So unbeknownst to me, I was out of a job. And thankfully, John and the guys, after interview, then hired me, and, and Pat and I started working together. He owned... Uh, Do you remember what year that was, Russ? I think that was 1996. Yeah. That and, sounds uh, about right. Yeah, because I think right after King Crab, the project was just about done, and we took the boat up for Apelio that year. Then after that, it, it, uh, he owned a boat of his own. He had the Jennifer A. at the time, and I also had a little crab boat, which was kind of the ugliest thing up there. It was called the Diligence. and. And so, through all the shipyard times and learning from Pat, you know, we we lengthened our boat and he sponsored his, and we were both kind of interactive of, you know, what should we do here? It was mostly me saying, Pat, what should I do here? Uh, because when it came to refrigeration, hydraulics, uh, personnel, it was. Uh, the more I learn about him, it seems like uh, just a 
hands on. This oh, my MacGyver. God. Yeah. MacGyver. Yeah. yeah. You get a problem, yeah. he can fix it. Yeah. Exactly. He didn't have a different way to fix it than the normal way. Sure. The Lafayette was the second project that he did for us, and so the first one was, was even worse than that one, if you can imagine. <laughs> but the Lafayette was a processing ship that became um, a crab boat uh, called the Beverly B after Beverly Bingham, who was one of the one of the owners of the company. And you got to be the captain the first time. Yeah, and I got to be team. the captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I was there when we, when we uh, Pat set up a big old christening for the boat and, you know, dropping the curtain over the name for Beverly to see and breaking the champagne over the bow. And oh, really? She cried oh, yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah, she <laughs> cried a little bit. That was pretty good yeah. and, and uh, so forth. But uh, Pat and ours, our, our lives just intertwined so much, you know. I mean, one of his neighbors was a girl named Kim who is the, the cute little blonde girl from, from kindergarten on. And I think from, oh gosh, we both had a crush on her, we found out. Um, you know, the, you got the, the first paper, huh? Well, yeah, it was, it was just the, the, the way our lives were just kind of intertwined was, was amazing. And, uh, you know, we became pretty good friends and... and uh, Lifelong friends. Yeah, yeah. And, and unbeknownst to John, there, there were times where we were on, on hourly when I was, you know, down and so forth, that mm -hmm. we did go and look at cars and other boats, and and you didn't pay me for that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So. No, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Every job has to have its benefits. Well, it does. Yeah. It does. So yes. we've, we've actually got a question already uh, from Ashley, and she's asking, uh, was Pat a first-generation fisher, fisherman? And he was. He was. Yeah. Yes. But, but Jenny is not. Right, no. that's correct. Yeah. So the fishing, the fishing side comes from Jenny, yeah. Yeah. right? And he kind of, I don't know, maybe through their relationships, or maybe he was just that tinkerer. Where, no, you know what? He, he was a repo. He started that repoing. That repo yeah. thing he did for his uncle. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he went up to Alaska, and then he got hooked up with some fishing. Yeah. If you guys really want to learn some some backstory about the the younger. Uh, Pat Dwyer, watch Sean Dwyer's podcast because, or listen to his podcast. That's where, that's where I got he's it. got yeah. he's got just a ton of information. In fact, it was his podcast was based on Sean, right? But he spent seventy percent of the time talking about Pat because he had that kind of impact on Sean and and obviously to you guys here. Yeah. So okay. who's next? Who's got the next story? I guess maybe uh, I can go next. Yeah. So I, I met Pat as an adult, as a young uh, skipper. I Pat hired me to run his boat, the Jennifer A. This was in nineteen ninety five. So just before uh, he got involved with uh, um, building the Norquest fleet for John. So uh, he owned the Jennifer A. He had a couple years before bought it and refitted it. It was an 18-year-old boat when he bought it and, and fish involved in other fisheries. He refitted it as a crabber. So I flew out to Dutch and I met Pat and uh, he hired me to do one season. It was a bear die season and uh, as it turned out, not a very good one, but but, but Pat and I hit it off right away, you know, he was a remarkable guy and we became, well first I, I started working for him and then fairly quickly we became friends. Um, that first year on the Jennifer A, we didn't make any money, we, uh, we tried hard, it was a, it was a, a Veridi season when the Veridi were nowhere to be found and, and so we uh, ended the season after maybe three weeks of, of, uh, of diligently searching for crab and you know, talking to Pat every day. Pat was the kind of guy that, different from my previous uh, boat owners, that my experience with a previous boat owner, who, you know, I would report at the end of a trip how the trip went. Well, Pat wanted to know what was going on on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and he set the boat up accordingly. The Jennifer A was uh, uh, refitted with electronics that were, to me, new. It was uh, 
Uh, we had satellite communication for email, and we had uh, electronic charting, neither of which I'd ever worked with before. And it was all alongside this, he didn't want to throw away uh, the 1978, <laughs> you know, uh, paper chart, uh, depth sounder, you know. Was, was, he, was he hoarding? <laughs> so, Maybe well, he little. just wanted to get his value out of everything. That was just his nature. And so, so we, uh, anyway, uh, that season came to an end and, uh, and, but, but, uh, as it turned out, uh, that boat was to be my career for the next, uh, next 13 years. I worked for Pat from, from 1995 until 2008. And, uh, and, um, a few years after I started, or maybe the next year, 96, marriages, huh? 96, <laughs> I guess. For, for crabbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for crabbers. Well, it was, you know, I mean, it, it, you develop a relationship and you, as a captain in the Bering Sea remote and, you know, you rely on on your support network and Pat was a support network like nobody else. He could fix things just by troubleshooting over the phone, get to the root of the problem, you know. So, uh, someone was actually telling me that he, he knew the boat so well that when they talked to him on the phone, they could go, okay, down the steps to the right, there's a black box and it's, you know, like just walking him right through. Photogenic memory. You know? Yeah. You wouldn't want to play him in poker or nothing. I think he <laughs> memorized every card. You know? yeah. and any boat, you know, your boat, your boat, my boat, you know, any boat he did yeah. it. And, and he wouldn't mix them up. I mean, there was, no. there, I mean, there, and there were big boats. There was a lot of systems he, on there. And but, he uh, was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I had him uh, more or less. Pat on this one, you know. <laughs> I had him more or less all to myself for about a year, I think it was. And then he uh, took the job as the Northwest Fleet Manager and quickly started building or converting boats into their, for them, as mm -hmm. into their crab fleet. And so I met I met these guys shortly thereafter, and and the Jennifer A. Pat's boat uh, was uh, became part of the Northwest fleet. We all worked together, became friends, supported each other, yeah, yeah, and all that was through Pat. Really, yeah. it was. So I was the that was the guy on the processing side of the world. These guys were the independent fishermen <laughs> that I had to deal with all the time, right. occasionally over beer, but you know it's what you do. That's when things get yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so our company was uh, composed of owners who were fishermen and not fishermen, but we were all small boat fishermen, right? So 58 foot and under was kind of our area of expertise, and so we wound up with this processing ship um, that had crab capability, and we being, you know, kind of Norwegian-like, we said, let's go into the crab business, <laughs> and we did. So we had to have a, a person who could manage that fleet, put together, have some like, relations with some of the fishermen, um, and and Pat was the perfect guy. He, he, he would take a project, I don't want to use the word cheap, but he was very good at putting together things that worked very well for not a lot of money. He um, was very personable, so he could attract people like, like you. You ran away from me as soon as you could, I remember. <laughs> but he, he, he was just that really magic guy when it came to putting together the equipment and the people, making the package and making it, making it work. And he had a lot of fun doing it. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was the thing about it. He, he, he had a yeah. great sense of humor and enjoyed every minute of what he was doing with you guys, I know. So, yeah. yeah. And that was a mutual regard. John used the word cheap. It's, I wouldn't have used that same word, but Pat was... He's, he wasn't afraid to spend money, and he spent a lot of money. I mean, we're talking about building crabbers, you know. Spent millions, but he was concerned about where every penny went. Mm -hmm. My One of my engineers, engineer for a long time, actually, on the boat, used to say that Pat had short arms and deep pockets. You know, there was, there was a lot of money down there. <laughs> a lot of money, he's got to reach it. <laughs> can't quite reach it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. You guys got any, got any funny stories about Pat that maybe you'd care to share? I, I have a uh, 
maybe it's just an impression. So my um, <clears throat> first impression of Pat as a as a boat owner was uh, not what I expected. You know, he's a uh, he was a hands-on guy, and the, if something was wrong, Carhartt bibs, you know, you know, he, whoa, what, 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 what are you doing? You know, he wanted to be involved, right? He's, he's so I think about a boat owner from Seattle. So I lived in Alaska. I met Pat through a mutual friend. Rob Rogers introduced us, and and I ended up working for him. And so working for a Seattle boat owner, that was like a whole new uh, realm to me. And I'm picturing somebody that pulls up next to their boat in a BMW and hops out and walks in their clogs over and, you know, shouts down at the boat below some instructions and then goes back to their Beamer and drives off. <laughs> that was just kind of the image I had in my head. Yeah. Pat did have a BMW, but 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 he had, uh, you know, his welding helmet and his and his Carhartt <laughs> and his Carhartt coveralls. And so my, what sticks in my mind the most was it was one of those first few years and we had a big shipyard uh, down here in Seattle. And after working on the boat for months, we were leaving to go to Alaska. And we were headed out through the locks and we had a coolant alarm go off. So, didn't think too much of it, refilled it, continued on. We got down to Shoal Shoal and went off again. And so I knew we had a problem and I tied up, called Pat and he said, well, find the leak. And so we look around and we, it's in the bilge, right? And our bilges are low luckily and we find the leak, but it's down. The Jennifer Ray had a 13 foot draft. So that bilge is deep, a 398 cat and a, a big reduction gear behind it. And, and we can see that leak, but we can maybe get down there with a deck brush. It's down there, way down there. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And about that time, Pat shows up. And before I really knew what was going on, I'm holding one leg, the engineer's holding the other, and Pat is literally upside down, <laughs> welding over his head, head first. In the, you know. Anyway, that's the kind of boat owner he was. Very different right. breed. Hands on or uh -huh. feet on. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Now, I was fortunate enough to meet him in 99. Uh, in when it, he gave me the first chance to run a crab boat. I've, I've been running tender boats and I got to codfish for other people, but Pat gave me the one, one of the your Norquest boats. He mm -hmm. let me do have the Cape Caution. And so he trusted me with that and, and that was a, you know quite an honor and did that. And, and uh, the year uh, 99, I took off out of Seattle in December, late December and I got up, it was uh, Y2K. And we kept thinking everything's gonna shut down and kept thinking, uh oh, this is gonna be bad. And then we got to catch can on New Year's Eve, but. And it, it was just kind of a, a crazy, crazy, crazy trip. There was some breakdowns in this and that. Not on the Cape Caution. In the Cape <laughs> no. Tragic, Cape Tragic. No, no, Ian owns it. So I got it. <laughs> but it's okay. That, that, was, that was my start with him, and I was, and I was so happy. And, and they got to, we got to build a friendship, and wound up buying property, living not far from each other, That's being able funny. to go snowmobiling, uh, four-wheeling to go up to see him and his family and mm -hmm. seeing what he was building at his property. And, you know, it, and it just kept uh, growing, and then to the point where he, he was. He, he, the guys, you haven't really explained about how he's such a social butterfly. Because this guy, that's. I, I was telling John yesterday that I don't know where his office was. I don't think he ever had an office. I seen him either in his truck or the parking lot, or or the boat. But he, when we went to the corporate, he was never in the office. He's always out in the parking lot screaming something to somebody. Or his office was his yellow pad and his phone. That's what it was, you know? that's where this he is worked. before you know internet and email and all that sort of stuff. Sean mentioned that when he used to visit his office, uh -huh. it was just a stack of yellow pads. Yeah, I don't even. You know, I I was running operations for Northwest. I don't remember him even having the cube that apparently he had. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't Where in charge he? of admin. He's always on his phone. You can get a hold of him. But yeah. at, the, at the time, uh, Norquist was being bought by Trident, and, and between him and Russ also, they introduced me to the HR lady of Trident, 
<laughs> That's a story in itself. Okay, now be careful where you go with this. Right? <laughs> right. This is about this Pat. Is live, right? You this can't is, take yeah. it back. That's not really how it went. It was more like, hey, Harley, I was just over at the office. The HR guy, you should see her. She's beautiful. You better get over yeah, there. I, I, was a single, I was a single guy Pat, for Pat quite a while then. Or he, yeah, yeah, Pat yeah. was playing Cupid. He was way all into this. He was into this Harley meet uh, Sonova deal. And he was all through the parking lot, and her birthday was close to my birthday, not the same year, but the birthday. Bit of a And so, uh, she kind of made a mistake on the contract, and, and I would, the boat was moved up to Homer, and he, he said, whoa, you should go up to Homer, and, or Anacortes. excuse me, to Anacortes, you should go up to Anacortes and get her, him to uh, redo the contract. And she, okay, she talked her into it, so she came up there, and that's when I got to take her out to dinner, and things blossomed for, you know, we're on our 12th, 13th year of marriage, you know. Awesome. Did you guys have uh, much interaction together, or was this was this connection made through Pat? It, no, it was all through Pat. Yeah, all um, three of us were yeah. fishing yeah. partners, yeah. We, we, yeah. We, and that was Pat, you know, yeah. that was... Yeah, the time we spent together was either in the shipyard, which was common, mm-hmm. or in Dutch Harbor, and uh, I lived in Alaska, uh, and Russ lives east of the mountains, and... Yeah. Right. Lived up well, Russ had to take me because we were part of the same family. Now, Ian was. Uh, well, know, I didn't have to take you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I, I, I was going to follow you anywhere you <laughs> went. So, so I, I had to follow Russ fishing. But Ian was, uh, you know, he was independent with Pat, but also he was still our, part of our group, you know, and we we got to be really close friends through that. And all, all four of us, all three of us and Pat, were, we, we, the shipyards were a lot of fun. Going down there, shipyard. When Russ is talking about going looking at cars and stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of work going on. There was a lot. Of <laughs> but, but, but I'll tell you, if you it, it was a lot of fun. We were sitting you, there. If you have a ship in the shipyard, anything can go wrong, as you yeah. know, right? <laughs> and who do you want to represent you with that shipyard? Yeah. You want Pat Flyer. Oh yeah. Yeah, because oh, he knew every everything that they were doing and how to do it better than, than they right. did. Really, I always really said good. he had a photogenic memory. Yeah. Or just yeah. It oh, sure yeah. seemed like it. Yeah. Oh no. And another yeah. part of that is that. Just think about this. He owns a crab boat that competes with the crab boats that he's putting together and managing for us, mm-hmm. right? And so there could be all sorts of conflicts if sure. you have the wrong person. Sure. There. Mm-hmm. But Pat sure, was let's just take that fuel pump and give it to my boat. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you yeah. guys pass it, it over. There know. was never any no any hint no, at all. Pat was just as straightforward as you can be. Um, no, yeah, good, good, good guy. Honorable, Sounds like he was a likable guy. You know, you can you can believe it. You know. Sounds like he was a great friend, a good mentor, uh, excellent leader, a matchmaker. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You know, um, so the other thing, about, sorry, go ahead, Mark, no, go please. Ahead. The other thing I was going to mention is you didn't just. I mean, it wasn't like we just knew Pat, right? So uh, Jen would help with grocery shopping, right? I mean, so you got to know his whole family. You got, you got the family. You were, right. working, right. you were working for or working with Pat. You know, his family was part of the well, was part Brennan, of his, Brennan, of his Tom, daily operation. You know, we were and they were, you know, we, I've seen them and their little rope tow lift they had and all this stuff. Wasn't, wasn't Sean down at shipyard as a young kid? He yes. has a story about this. Don't he was you? always down at the shipyard, um, you know, wearing his little life jacket. And I, he had to have been, I don't know, five, six, something like that. He wasn't very old. He was very quiet, you know, very quiet. Until I hung out with you for an afternoon. Well, yeah. And then I guess he, he did come home and I do remember him teaching him how to burp the ABCs, and I guess <laughs> oh, <you laughs> that, didn't, that didn't go over oh, so yeah, well with, with, with mom, because, yeah, good, good. Because, because in fact it was just brought up today, yeah, and don't forget, 
what you did to my son. You <laughs> to develop, Those are so. shipyard skills. It is, it is. You can use that later in life. So it, it, you tell people how to communicate. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Communication right. skills. Yeah. And burp is a four-letter word. So. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was working with Pat one day in the Beverly B. I got to run the Beverly B. And afterwards, and, and him and I were down in the engine room. And he was turning a wrench with me, and I'm watching. I probably had my hands in the pocket. And he was turning the wrench, and all of a sudden, he's ow, ow, you know, something was wrong. And it was, and it was kind of alarming. And he, you know, he's going to go to the doctor today. And okay, okay. And so he, he went to the doctor, and you know, we just didn't really think much, too much of it, until, as we found out, it took a little bit. We were, we found out something was seriously wrong. And it took a little longer to find out what it truly was. And it, and it was, those are the times when, that's when you really started to freaking love Pat, you know. And seeing how he was handling his disease and when, when, he, when he got to the point where he got to the wheelchair and, and, and then how he was going to tackle that, buying another boat, but getting a Ford, uh, a side-by-side that can haul him in a wheelchair. I mean, he was not quitting. And you and you just that's when uh, I mean as much as I loved him at the start, that's when I truly started loving him because he was respecting his wife and his son and, and, his, and his daughter. daughter yeah. mm-hmm. how, they, how they just started dealing with this this terrible thing that happened. Yeah, you can't talk about ALS for Pat without talking about the family. Also, they're a big part of. Well, everybody this, suffers but, the disease, right? But, but when yeah. you you know when you're diagnosed, you know there can be a very quick ALS and there can be a very slow. And his turned out to be the slow, but. At the time, he didn't know what it was going to be, two years or five years or what is it going to be. And he had this, this crab operation um, and was right in the middle of buying another boat for and this young, crab operation. Boat. I think yeah. Sean said he was in high school or, you know, yeah. at 14 maybe. So when is he, he got does he quit and stop or does he go ahead? Well, we know what he did. You know, he, he went yeah. ahead. Yeah, he yeah. went for it. Yeah. He went for it. And, the, and, and throughout the process when he was doing it and, and starting to find out about the ALS and all the different obstacles are in and trying to solve it. He, you know, and he, us working with him, we know he's a fixer. Mm-hmm. He yeah. fixes things. You know, he can fix things. If, no, there's always another way you can fix it. And you know, you can fix this. And he was running into dead ends. You know, and and to the point where uh, I don't think he ever gave up. But he just, you know, kept wondering, how can we solve this? You know, how can we solve this problem? Actually, that same attitude is probably why. His family supports this particular, uh, you know, ALS TDI so strongly because that organization is focused on fixing, you know, finding a cure, Mm -hmm. fixing this problem, which is very much in keeping with Pat's personality. He wasn't able to accomplish it in his lifetime, but he's going to continue. Well, he's still here. He's still here, telling us, (laughs) "Come on, you guys! Come on, on, you guys! Get back after! Find a way to do this! You know, it's just a few of mine." Go around it or fix it, you know. And and the same thing you were telling me when he was telling you when you're holding him upside down. I mean, whenever I had a problem, he told me, and he taught me something about how to find it. You got to just keep falling, tracing it. it, It's either between here and there, it's a breaker somewhere, or there's a fuse, or there's a breaker, or there's something in between here and there. And I believe that's the same thing that we're trying to learn with this ALS, you know, that there's something that we can find between here and there and we got need to find it in yeah. order to, to solve this and we're hoping that uh, as this video airs posted and then shared you know beyond uh, that, that that's what will happen the the link has already been up for for where to donate um, I know that each of you are gonna do your part and uh, but uh, the, the fact is we got to reach out to everyone that we can 
not just on social media, but friends and, and family. It's a it's a terrible, devastating disease. Andy, you you were really close with with Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you notice after diagnosis and, until the time that he left? Well, I was really close with him, like you say, but uh, both a working relationship and personal. But a lot of it was remote, and so. You know, I noticed there was a period of uncertainty, you know, it was short. Well, Pat kind of figured out, what am I going to do about this? And then he basically just dove right into, you know, work and life, uh, just as he always had with the same sort of enthusiasm and thoroughness. So from the perspective of a, a vessel in Alaska that he is supporting, there was not a lot of difference. I mean, it, he, he was still there on the radio every day. I mean, he still wanted to know what the weather was. He still wanted to know the crap count. I mean, he oh, yeah. wanted to know the CPUE. These guys could probably attest to that. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, tempted yeah. to fudge it a little, you know, so I'd look better than these guys. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to know every day, you know, not at the end of the trip, not at the end yeah, of the week. Right. So that never really wavered until the very end. You know, he, he, was, uh, he was absolutely engaged in his business. And he used to say, there's a couple of different patisms I can think of, but but one of them that he said a lot was, if it's not good for the boat, it's not good for anybody. And just a statement, but I think what he was talking about was like, you know, the community that a vessel supports, right? So a, a vessel is a little economic engine in and of itself. And the vessel owner and his family, of course, are dependent on the income, uh, the captain and his family. The crew and their family, you know, there broadens out beyond that, right? The processors. And then it goes to John's side, the uh-huh. processing side. And he said that a lot. The suppliers. And, uh, yeah. That was one of the padisms that, uh, that uh, you know, he, I know he felt that way. He repeated it to me and, and he sort of lived that. You know, he was always thinking about what was the best, what was the best for the boat. And by extension, small areas and small people. Anybody's going to work on the boat. We're going to find you know some some of the uh, vendors that we had were not the mainstream vendors. They were they were the guys that were they they were good workers. And the the hydraulic guy Monty and you know you just remember people that we worked with and these guys were good, but they weren't they weren't the big company. You know he wanted he wanted to share his bringing the boat to Homer. You know, huge. Yeah. You know, and all the work he did with, with all the little vendors, and, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, you know, you, you have that ability to do to a community or to a family or to the boat. Right? You know, that's exactly how. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think all the, uh, you know, Bruce from uh, Salmon Bay Hydraulics was another one. I, he could go over to the shop, walk right in when no one's there. Like he had a key. He could rebuild a pump for us when we needed it rebuilt, bring it back to the boat on a Sunday, and uh, just get things done. Pat's a guy that it seems like he, he flew under the radar. I mean, I think he knew about everybody, and everybody knew about him, but it wasn't the shouted, shouted from the mountain. He just knew everybody and knew how to get things done. His, his frugalness with, with the boats, I remember on the Southern Wind, I held so much fuel that we would all be in shipyard. I would drive up to 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 Dutch Harbor, top everybody off on fuel. We'd go out and fish. Yeah, I did lots. We would go out and fish, come back. They'd all come to me. I'd fuel them up. They would tie up, and I'd drive back hey, to Russ, Seattle. Have a good trip. I know, just to, just, to, just to get another load of fuel. Pizza too. Was, and it was he was using you as a fuel barge. I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because there was it, one, it, it was it was the right thing to do. It was. It, it was, was cost effective. You, we did the same thing with Chicknick. 
we would yeah. we'd, you know fill up the southern wind and take the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so part of my relationship with Pat was on the political and on the fish buying side of the world, yeah. um, and so he he was. Uh, um, always keenly interested in what was going on in the markets. You know, I mean, you could have, you know, endless conversations with him. And son of a gun, if he just didn't know more than I did almost every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he really did his homework. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about how did he change, you know, over time? Yeah. I mean, even up to, um, I saw him, you know, shortly before he passed, when he couldn't hardly say anything anymore, still, What's going on in the market? And what are the fishermen getting paid? And blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, oh, it, really? it, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was always passionate for him to be involved in those kind of, you know, um, interactions with the processor. And, and uh, he was a good guy for being a bellwether, right? What's the fleet thinking? Mm -hmm. um, both on the crab side and on salmon because of the tendering thing that, yeah. that he did. Yeah. You know, he, he was sort of first line of, of defense for us. And, and uh, he was, he was, uh, he was definitely interested in the whole part of the business, not just did you catch a crab or yeah. did you fix your boat. Yeah. 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 Well, we're gonna we're gonna ask uh, Jenny and Sean to come and talk to us here a little bit, but uh, before they well as they make their way up here because they're probably figuring that out right now. Um, how how would you want to end it with your thoughts on ALS and what we can what we can do? Well, for me it was living on the other side of the mountains. You know, I was only I was only over here you know so often. So for me, seeing Pat, it was the drastic changes. You know, first, first the hand that would atrophy and and uh, kind of fold up. Then it was the wheelchair, and so the the changes were very drastic and and, and heartbreaking. And quick. Um, and quick and quick. But you know, John, John mentioned you can't you can't talk about Pat without talking about Jenny. And uh, when I met Pat, Jenny was was going through cancer treatment and suffering cancer at the time. And the strength of their marriage and how he supported her and then her supporting him was uh, was the way it should be it was and a good model that, I mean, what an inspiration yeah well I, you know I you, you hit on it very well I think um, to people that are listening to this um, there's no one out there that doesn't have a friend or a family member that's affected by this disease no one Everybody has someone who they care for who's suffering from this disease. And Pat was determined to find a cure. That was his focus, he, and it wasn't necessarily a cure for him, but he was determined to find a cure. And that determination, I think, still lives on with Jenny and with, with Sean. And, um, yeah, they, he, they are passionate about they are, it. And, and, and we all need to help. We all need to help. We were talking yesterday about a way that we could support this cause other than being here and remembering Pat and, and the way he affected our lives, but uh, we had discussed uh, uh, making a pledge, and, and do you think it's appropriate to talk about that? Uh, if, you, if you guys want to, I mean... Just to uh, get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. What's best from your perspective, Mark, in terms of... Uh, you know, for, for me, it's all about the money for this disease, and it's all about uh, doing that today in Pat's name. Uh, so I'll leave that to you guys if you care to share what, you, what you're what you planning to do. Um, th that's up to you. Do not do not feel obligated at all because uh, we are going to, what's happening guys is we're, this is a, this is a fundraiser all, all evening tonight. You can log on to that, the Pat Dwyer ALS page, donate, even after, if you're watching this video or listening to this podcast six months from now, that website is still active right now. 
you can go there right now click on it donate spend the money but Ian, if you if you want to share if any of you guys want to share I, I do think, I think I, I, if, if you feel that you need to please I think we discussed this a little bit but I'd like to make a pledge of a thousand dollars to just kind of get the ball rolling okay and I know that's not a lot but something to help I, I think that's a thousand more than we had a minute ago anything for Pat you know what I mean yeah we, we, we appreciate it I, th I think we all quietly wrote down on a piece of paper and I think we ended up writing down the same amount <laughs> uh, but uh, I've got I, I you do. forget one thing Russ what's that the processors have all the money <laughs> that's right. The crab fishermen don't get the money. That's the right. processors have all the money. Yeah, and I'm just a lonely so, salmon fisherman so now. So one of those numbers was different. Ah, so, so, I'll bet you. So, <laughs> well, we didn't get to see the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to okay. match you, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I don't Thanks, know. Charlie. Yeah. It, anyway, it's a bigger number. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> we'll see what happens out there. I'm hoping that somebody beats my number. I, I challenge anyone to... To come forward and beat any of these gentlemen's numbers because uh, even if it was a thousand dollars, we're four thousand dollars ahead right now mm -hmm. than where we were ten minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you guys, again, I encourage you share this video, log on, donate. They're tracking those numbers live for us today. We're going to know what was made. Um, I know some people don't have the attention span to tune in to a forty-minute broadcast, especially on live. Uh, we all we've all got lives to to live, and you know the kids are coming home soon, or dinner's going to be ready. But remember, there's families out there with this disease finding out today that their fa their family member is going to be gone in two to seven years. Could you, could you do 15 seconds on TDI just so that people understand why we're doing that? Yeah, I, um, actually, I was going to ask uh, uh, Jenny to explain it oh, a great. little bit. But, okay. but you're right. Um, uh, from what my understanding is, Pat chose it because of searching for the cure. And, and not so much the treatment. But we'll ask Jenny to explain it because who's more involved? I mean, she's super, Let's get her super in here. involved. Let's get her in here. Right. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank um, you. Oh, just, just step, step around the table so you can watch her. Make her, make her nervous. <laughs> I can sit with my, my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you, you? <laughs> Guys, joining us now is going to be Jenny and uh, Sean. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. Hello. So you've been watching. We've been watching, yes. What are your thoughts? I... I'm overwhelmed um, hearing these guys talk about Pat. I mean, I think, I don't remember who said it, but Pat really was kind of an under-the-radar kind of guy. At the same time, you know, being a, involved in this industry, you have to have a little bit of a um, ego, I'll call it confidence. Um, so he was, I think he was just like this great mixture of being able to work with people, get things done, but being confident confident enough to know that what he was doing was going to be right in the end. And um, to hear that validated and we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of his death, um, it's just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Sean, your thoughts? After hearing Ditto. Today? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to hear the stories that we didn't know or we didn't know the whole whole deal and to hear you guys go back you know 30 years it's pretty cool it's pretty cool to hear the stories that we just didn't know like i didn't know that <laughs> there was a tire rolling down your street you grew up on that was on fire and it may or may not have come from one of my dad's cars <laughs> well, yeah, he was a prankster, that's for sure. <laughs> so it's just it's fun you know and i and i guess at the end of the day it's it's all about 
you know, especially with your podcast, taking the stories that are undercover and kind of bringing them forward and doing something more with them. And for us and for my dad's story, and today we're able to do a lot. We're raising money. We're having, you know, beer in the sunshine. But it's more than that. It's, it's you know, every 90 minutes, like you said, somebody's going to find out today that they have ALS. And if we can raise $10, $1,000, or $1, that's one more dollar that goes towards finding the cure. Well, these four gentlemen alone, these four gentlemen have put us at least at a minimum of 4,000 today. Perfect. So <laughs> if nothing else goes our way, that's we're, incredible. we're at $4,000. That's great. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. And I want to say that the reason Pat supported ALS TDI um, was because they're small enough and they're nimble enough that they can think outside the box, number one, which is what he did all the time. He was so creative on <laughs> trying to figure out oh, yeah. I know no how to fix things or guy. set people up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I know. But ALS TDI just um, uh, they're they're very creative in, in how how they're approaching research. He truly, truly felt that TDI would, would be the place where a treatment is gonna is gonna come about and the crazy thing is, is that we have this drug that we're going to start putting into clinical trial. I, I don't know the time frame, but definitely by the end of um, 2018. Is this the new one? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The AT1501. We just need money to get that <coughs> drug to a clinical Let's trial get some and money. get it into people. And How long has it been since a, since a, a, a trial came out last for ALS treatment? Well, there's, there's a couple successful, well, there's there's a couple trials going on right now. One involves stem cells that's that's really promising, and then there was also a new um, new drug that was released, but it, it, the the jury's still out a little bit that on that. Endeavoron. Neuraltis. Is that the yeah. one that had been 22 years before a new treatment came out? Yeah. So that's that's the, yeah. that's the so time we're just frame. now starting. 22 years. Exactly. Yeah. So we need to we need to get so, a, get a so horse. Not we need to get a horse in the race. You know, we, we need, need to get this drug into trial. And, we and need to get this drug into trial, and um, the only thing that we're lacking is money for that. And um, you know, by you guys making these first um, donations. It's, I hope, going to start a snowball effect, and, and um, we'll, we'll get that drug to families. It's, of course, clinical trials always take much longer than people who are living with the disease um, want them to take, but, uh, um, you know, if we can get it going, it's going to move forward quickly. I always tell people, because people always say, oh, you know, I've only got $5. I'm like, $5 is a huge amount. It's five dollars more than we had yesterday, right. and um, it, it it doesn't have to be a thousand bucks. It it can be whatever you can make it to be. Yeah. We'll take the thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not uncurable. It's just underfunded. Yeah. That's the saying in the ALS community. Is that it just needs attention? You know, it kind of has been under the radar for too long, and we want to bring it forward. And, raise awareness you, you, you two have the passion for that though you have the drive for that when i recorded sean sean's podcast uh we sat for 42 minutes we had a couple beers That's uh, as is as is given when we do a podcast yeah. but uh after that he stayed an hour and a half oh really and that hour and a half was talking about his dad oh, and, and, and reiterating <laughs> stories about pat and uh learning this from my dad and I was driving forklifts down there and and uh, picking up a welding wire and just just 
at 10 it years was, old. It was on and off. You know that, John? <laughs> so, um, I think, I think Pat double billed us on some hours. To <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't get in the money. <laughs> you got dinner that night. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, in, in closing, uh, Sean and Jenny, do you have anything that you'd like to, to really get to punch in there? I, we're asking for money, obviously, but we're asking for money. I, I, I want to just send a hello out to our daughter Brenna, who's in Montana. Um, you know, she she lived with this disease as well, and she's, uh, she's here. Oh yay! Hi, Bren. Um, <laughs> and uh, she she loved her dad. Her dad loved her, and um, you know, it's just. It was a, it was, we all took care of Pat. You know, you can't, you can't do ALS by yourself. Right. You can't do it. And, um, you know, the three of us were his main caregivers. And, um, you know, I just want to say, Brenna, we miss you. And um, thanks. Um, Hi, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, just to reiterate, it, it, takes a village you know when someone is diagnosed with ALS it's not just something you you know can keep in the family it, the more you, you you start talking to people and the more you bring it forward the more you learn about the disease and you learn oh I guess I had like an uncle or a distant cousin or maybe a friend of a friend that you just didn't know why they were sick and now you know maybe we can kind of put a label on that and figure out that there's more ALS around us than we think and do something about it and so I guess that's, you know, that's that's what we'd like to get out, or I would. It's just, you know, just talk about it. It's not just Lou Gehrig's disease, you know, it's Pat Dwyer's disease. It, it is, it, it is. is. And yeah, someone exactly. else's every 90 minutes. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, So we'll, in, in, in my closing, uh, I'd like to say that for those of you watching it uh, live now, uh, you've got a lot of patience with me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it also says something about you. If you've watched this video this long, even in a replay, it, it means that you're supportive and passionate about this. So I challenge you to share this video. Um, get it out there. This this ALS Pat Dwyer page is not coming down. It will be up. I mentioned it earlier. If you click on this link in, in a month, two months, five months, a year, it's going to be there. You can still donate. Um, please do today if you can, but uh, at any time that you're hearing this. Um, I, I can't thank everybody enough for coming and, and making this happen. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's for bringing everybody together. The the whole the whole deal of Galley Stories is is capturing stories before they're gone. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, your dad's your story is gone, but uh, you guys are here to tell it. So that's what that's what we've done today, um, and uh, we're going to raise some money for him. Perfect. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. You can have the last word. <laughs> um, so ALS TDI was started when one brother was diagnosed with ALS and the other brother looked around at the landscape and said there is not an organization that's going to move quick enough to help me find a treatment for my brother. And that was something that resonated with me when um, you know we started looking around at, at who we wanted to to raise funds for, and ALS TDI is a family. There's 30 scientists on staff. There's 54 people on staff, 30 scientists. That's all they do. They research ALS 24-7. It kind of reminds me of the whole fishing community as well. You heard the great stories about Pat when he was healthy and, and working within the industry. When Pat got sick, the fishing industry 
our friends. Pat loved talking with John about the price of fish in Japan and, and um, you know, it was this connection that you guys had with him within the community, the fishing community, the whole fishing community. And um, they have been our some of our biggest supporters and um, most passionate friends. So I just want to say thank you to you guys for being here. Thank you to the fishing community and um, thank you to ALS TDI for working on this problem and they're going to, to solve it. Thank you. All right, guys, that's going to be it. Um, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, look forward to uploading this tonight. It will be our Monday upload because we didn't do one yesterday and uh, saving for this event. It's been Galley Stories, and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks. All right, well, quick. Said, well said, gang. <laughs> what do you guys think? That was good. That was hot up here. It's hot up here. It's all about, good job. All about raising that money. Uh, man. Jim, are we offline? We're off. Yeah. Hey. I, 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 this, I brought this for you. I wrote this on yellow legal pants. On yellow. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We should have gave you this when we were still rolling. Oh my God. This no. was, you asked me to say a few right. words for Pat at the Wake, and that's what this that's is. What and, that and, is. And so I thought you might like to have it. I wrote Thank it you. six years ago or five years ago, I guess. Five years. Uh, Good job, everybody. I was telling, Thanks a lot. I was telling Mark about uh, that I had brought this for you, and he asked me oh, if I would read it. And I don't really want to read it, if that's okay. Oh. But I, I don't know that I can. Yeah. But I, I wanted to read the last paragraph okay. to you. Sure. You, I, you probably you probably may remember. Maybe I not. have no memory of like that I don't day either. at all. I don't either. This is very much how I still feel about that. So it, the Bering Sea can be a lonely place. Sometimes there are no other boats visible as far as the eye can see, but you know that they are there because at night you can see the reflection of their lights against the winter night sky. I like to think about Pat that way. I can't see him anymore, but I know he's there. Crab lights aglow just over the horizon. Yeah. And I wanted to give it to you. Thank you. If you want it. Of course. <laughs> wow, guys, course. they thought we were done. So that's going to conclude the online version of our podcast today. Uh, again, thanks a lot for tuning in to Galley Stories. And we'll see you next time.